Welcome everybody to Epic Experiences. I am your host, Sanitra Skillern. Remember, Epic stands for Encouraging People and Inspiring Communities. And today, in our presence, we have introduce yourself to the people. Hi, people. I'm Tamika Whitsett. I am the most, I don't know, I just do it all. So, by trade, intervention specialist, but by experience, a little bit of all things. Dean of culture, you know. Run, run it all down. Run everything. Oh, Lord. Okay, so let's see. Dean of culture in my building. Currently, special education coordinator in my building. I am an entrepreneur. I have several businesses. One called Closet Treasures. You can catch us online. Shameless plug. Um, we also have my cake business where I bake cakes and cupcakes and stuff like that called Dip Tasties. And I'm a mom, extraordinary person, you know, <laughs> extraordinary. Yeah, do it a little bit of everything. And, and I'm glad you said that because here at Epic Experiences, we talk about a little bit of everything. We have a core topic, but it just pivots and goes and goes. And so you know that, that's just how we roll it starts on one thing and we can get off on a tangent that takes us someplace else but it's always all good so no fear we just we just having a conversation so sure. i i ask questions but if you got questions we really just converse <laughs> like just bouncing off off the make works of the mind yeah you know? that's it so we're both educators by trade and so <laughs> our conversation is going to uh, eventually get to the topic of education reimagined because we've been in how long you've been in education so 20 years in real life but as a licensed professional mm -hmm. 10 years okay. it was 10 years this school year same with me hey yes. hey 10 years yeah, so, the game. <laughs> so knowing like you said 20 years in real life so you've seen a lot mm -hmm. um and so talking about education reimagine i want to when we get there we're going to talk about like if we had our pick what would education be how would what we educate look like? what it would look like what it would feel like what it would sound like we're gonna dream because <laughs> sometimes in our roles we do dream like man if, if we could only dream, if only oh my gosh that if might be the only. title of this podcast if only market um yeah exactly if only and so that is where we're going to go but uh since i have you here <laughs> oh boy no I, no because you know we, we share an entre entrepreneurial bond as well we're both entrepreneurs both mm -hmm. women um and i, I want to go there first like we're going to get to education because that's again by trade what we do but how did you have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur or how did you kind of get into that space? So I think my first little real dig at entrepreneurship was pretty much I was, uh, I wanted to do nails. Okay. Growing up, like I used to sit on the front porch like, come on y'all, I'll do your nails. <laughs> then when I went to college, I did hair in college. Like my mother is a beautician, mm -hmm. been a beautician as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. So I used to perm, straighten, Flat iron, that was when, you know, everybody wanted a flat iron. So I would flat iron my friends here or whatever, mm -hmm. whatnot, and that would be my thing. And then at one point, I was doing lashes, whatever I could think of to make me some extra change. I was like, you were I, charging for this in college, yes, right? Yeah, like, 
it wasn't about ten, fifteen dollars, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like come on, or you know, I would do something for free because it would be like, let me get some experience mm-hmm. or let me try something. Yeah. Let me see if I can do it or if I can be successful. Yeah. So and that's kind of where that started. But when my baby came, his school, like I, for, and for like school, I would do treats and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then they would ask me, well, how much would you charge for this? And how much would you charge for mm-hmm. making chocolate covered pretzels? And it kind of just went from there. Oh. So that's how that happened. So it started from you, for you just, this is what I love to do. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, oh, y'all are paying me for this? Bet. Yeah. Let me, let me. A little bit it. of this and a little bit of that. Right. And so when I met you, I think Jason was a baby. I think he was little. He was toddler. So when I came to Apex, it was 2016. He was about to turn four. So he okay. was only three when I first okay. started working. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. I, knew he, I knew he was toddler age. 2016, 2016. He was a. He was about to turn three. Okay, okay. He was just about to turn three. Okay, I knew he was little. He was. He was. <laughs> and so, so then, we were there together, um, and then. I was doing doing cakes and stuff then? I wasn't doing cakes. I was doing like chocolate covered pretzels and um, strawberries and you know that type of stuff. Like there's the treats. I would make cake pops. So cake pops was my thing. Okay. And I got to the point where like everybody wanted cake pops. I want cake pops. Could you make for this and could you do it for this? And I stopped. I ain't making cake pops. I'm not doing them no more. <laughs> like, don't call and ask me. And then I would have, like, my few customers that say, I just need a dozen. I just need six. So then I would just make them into little bouquets. So then, but that's what I was doing. Like, for the most part, it was cake pops and, like, the little treats mm-hmm. on tables mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And what people don't know about behind-the-scenes cake pops, cake truffles, whatever, they're labor-intensive. They're, it's not, it looks so cute, and not, but it's a lot of steps that go into that when you do them right. And so when you see them I cuss a lot. (laughs) Like, oh my God, it's falling off the stick. Why did it fall in the chocolate? Like, all of that. Like And like, okay, well, what can I buy to make this easier? Mm -hmm. Or what can I put this on? I remember having a Dunkin' Donuts box. And I took this Dunkin' Donuts box and I just stuck holes in it. Just so I could have something to prop them mm-hmm. up on because it was like I had used all the little um, silicone things that I had with the little holes mm-hmm. in it. I'm like this is ridiculous and they just falling all over the place so it was like improvised, improvised, yeah. improvised and I think that's kind of like where I'm at in life. Like just, what can I do to improvise and make it work? It gotta work so we gotta figure something else yeah. out. Yeah and it needs to be, uh, I'm gonna use this word, it may not be a real word but <laughs> repeatable. <laughs> Sustainable, maybe that's the educated word. Yeah. Uh, sustain- like if you that Dunkin' Donuts box lasted you how long? Like a good while. A good while. Yeah. So it's like if I can do something and repeat the process where it's not frustrating because then it's not fun. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm making money or not. And then I got scrap and waste that is costing me money. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh my goodness, I don't want to do these no more. So I, there are certain things on our menu as well that when somebody asks for it, although the end product is gorgeous, I'm like, I got to start two days before the thing to get it going. So I got to order right now. And I, every time I think about it, I was like, I got to do a red velvet cake. I got to make red velvet cake. Then I got to make three different color icings. Then I have to go buy two different uh cake boards because it's the number 70 mm-hmm. and they want uh, cupcakes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how am I going to make this pretty? I'm sitting up here watching Pinterest videos and TikTok and 
an Instagram, like, oh, I could do this. But when it's done, Dang, but when it's done, and you post it, you're like, I did that. Mm -hmm. When you and and I believe that, um, I believe that being an entrepreneur um, falls in line with education because as an educator, you are creative because you do have to figure things out. You do you have, have to, to improvise. improvise, and so that. Uh, the improvisation you have to do as an educator naturally morphs itself into the other area of your life. So you're like, mm -hmm. it just, it fits. So when you see educators who are also doing other things, it makes sense because it's a part of who we are. Mm -hmm. And I started doing this um, when I came out of the classroom because I wasn't getting that creative, my creativity fed anymore because I wasn't in the class in front of kids. And so I'm like, I felt stunted in my creativity so I'm like what else now Kate we've been doing that forever but this doing podcasts is just something that allows me to talk to people I know mm -hmm. who you know we all live these you know dynamic lives we're not just one thing to one person we're multiple things and then how can we um how can we vibe on a different level right and how so, long have you been doing cakes Ooh, we started this is 2023 mm -hmm. we started in 2012 so before that, and my grandmother doesn't know this, and I have to, she just turned 90 this past year, and uh, I'm going to um, take this over to her house, but she hand-wrote uh, her 7-Up Cake recipe for us, just to give it to us. And so that was the recipe that started our business. So we took that, and then we morphed it into our own pound cake recipe. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had lost my job in 20, 2012. And, wow. so, and so we started baking. We started, so people say, how much would you sell? We like, we just make them out. Just come over and get one. We don't charge. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my income was gone. I went back to school. And then Jay was like, you know, we should start selling them. And, and we did. And we stood in our kitchen. And we, me, him, and Kristen got in a circle. And we prayed pound for pound into existence. And um, we first started, and we were putting our cakes in the, paper boxes mm -hmm. and we had the paper um the cardboard rounds we used to write jeremiah 29 11 on the bottom of the cake okay, board wow. cake okay. round and put it in there because we was like this was god like this was we did it out of necessity this was gas money this was grocery money that we needed but you know now but now um it's i mean we still i mean we've literally uh replaced our hvac in our house like the oh, okay. heating and cooling system and that's what we said we was like we got two years same as cash for this stuff we this cake business is gonna pay for it. we're not gonna put no money out of our pocket and for two years um the money that we made we okay. we pay for it so it's like we we love doing it, it, it it's a passion sometimes you know you got a full-time job and you got it you know you you got a side business you're mm -hmm. like how my week gonna look because you know, I like to go outside. So, <laughs> and I think that's my biggest. Honestly, that's my biggest thing. I like to go outside, and then when the weekend comes, I'm like, I ain't doing no cakes. I'm going outside. But then, so this is the thing. I know I like to go outside. I started doing lift. So when did I start doing lift? I think I did lift in 2020. 2020, I started doing okay. this. Like, right after COVID. Once we opened back up, or whenever mm -hmm. we opened back up, um, I started doing this because we had went to Florida. Mm -hmm. 
And I was, we was in the lift, and I was talking to the lift driver, and I was like, well, why do you do this? And what else do you do? And he was like, oh, I retire, and I just drive when I get ready to, and I can make this amount of money. I think he said about $200 in about three hours or four hours, and I kind of just map my day out around driving lift. And if I drive enough, I got enough to pay my bills for the week, or I got enough to pay my mortgage. Like, it was just like, oh, okay. How much is the most you ever made in a day? Yeah. He was like, oh, I made about $400 in one day and then, but I was out for about six hours. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to try this out. I made, so <laughs> the most I made in one day from actual driving, mm -hmm. um, well, let me say that. I picked up these girls. I, well, my brother wasn't driving. I dropped him off at work. I'm like, let me turn my lift on. This is like 4.45 in the morning. Mm -hmm. Turn my lift on. I got a ride. I had to go from um, Solon to 140-something in Kane. I go on Kane, go pick these girls up. They get in the car, and we going Brunswick, maybe? Okay. Somewhere on the west side. Wow. And the girl get in the car and say, like, they talking back and forth, and I'm thinking they strippers because they dress like they strippers, and but they strippers and had a long night. But the one girl said, I got to go get my sugar daddy out of jail. I said, out of jail? What twist? So <laughs> I said, okay, so y'all have a good night. And we talking and we jamming, listening to the music. And then they get to talking, you know what? I can't sign for them to get out of jail. And the other one said, I can't either. I said, well, why not? They both said, we have warrants. One had a warrant in New York. The other one had a warrant somewhere in Cleveland. Whoa. So they couldn't um, sign them out of jail. So it was like, well, would you sign them out? I said, for about $200, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> $200 later. <laughs> I didn't sign this man out of jail. Oh, my God. Picked him up from jail. He got out of jail. Listen, he got out of jail. He said, take me over there to the ATM. The jail was on this side of the street. The ATM was on the other side of the street. Took him to the ATM and gave me, he gave me $200. Okay. Then he said, well, I'm trying to put in for a lift to go to Akron, but it won't let me do the lift. So he said, well, could you put it in your phone to see how much they had charged me to go from here, wherever it was at, Brunswick or wherever, to Akron? And he gave me the address. I put it in my phone. I said, this is my, I think it was like the, XL or whatever, mm -hmm. the Lyft XL, I think it was like 50 or $60. Mm -hmm. She said, okay, don't worry about it. I'm going to give you another $50, $50 on top of that. So I made like $325 just off of that one ride because I got paid for taking them to the jail. Then I got paid for signing them out. Then I got paid for driving them to, <laughs> to Akron. All in one day, I, by 7 o'clock in the morning, I had made $300-something. All I had to do was go home and kick my feet up. And you got a story. And I got a story. <laughs> got a story to tell. Yes, like so. And from then on, my mother be like, "Young people is crazy. You gonna go out there and drive?" Yes, I am. I'm going to get all of this money. And then once with Lyft, I was able to learn the algorithms pretty much. So like, yeah, I would drive during certain hours and peak times, mm -hmm. and I was looking at app. I made all type of money, all type of money, and it was like vacation money. Yeah. So and it, right when you say okay, I'm. And I, you know, to go from when, you know, we did it, it was out of necessity. It was like, hey, let's try this. Let's see. And then when we did it, and now it's like, I mean, we, 
I, I don't scoff at God's blessings. I don't do that. I don't care if it's one cake. You know, it's all mm -hmm. increased. And I thank God for every single time. And so, but now it's like we whatever we make because we have a weekly standing order with a, um, a business that we've been doing for like the past seven years, which is a blessing. Mm -hmm. And so we do that and then we just split like whatever it is, we split it. And so it goes because we... Yeah, whatever. But well, we just split it and put it in our pocket. And then it's like haircut money or it's this or it's that. But we're just like, it's still fun. And it's a legacy. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, um, when you go to a place and, and sometimes we go there and we'll buy our own stuff. We'll go and buy like products from there just to see how they package it. And number one, see what they charge you for it. But um, we'll buy it. And it's like, this is this is ours. Like, mm -hmm. we, we did this. And, you know, it's just really... To, to know that you are creating something that and people think enough of your product to order it and reorder it and tell yeah. people about it and stuff like that. And so how did Closet Treasures come about? Oh, closet Treasures. <laughs> so I have two best friends. Mm -hmm. Well, I actually have four best friends. Mm -hmm. But two of my best friends and I were talking on the phone like, well, what can we do to make some money together? Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing was like, we all like fashion. We all got different body types. So I'm like the short round one and then Tia is like the tall hippie one and then Tiana is like she's shapely but she's not like overly vivacious you know what I'm saying and neither, none of us are like um super sexual where we gotta wear the most sexy is mm -hmm. and the next you know nothing like that mm -hmm. so our whole thing was like how can we make some money how can we feed off of what our strengths are when it comes to fashion mm -hmm. and sustainable clothing that's comfortable and affordable mm -hmm. and so that was our vision so we just pretty much came up together like well what we gonna call it closet treasures the number treasures is tr and the number three uh -huh. because it's three of us yeah so you know and like over time it's like okay well what we gonna order so we get on the phone or on a zoom at this time we was on a zoom because my one friend tia she was living in georgia mm -hmm. so we literally would get on the phone schedule these uh we'll be on the facetime and on the computer mm -hmm. all at the same time we're gonna go through these different websites we bought different uh, vendors list and things mm -hmm. like that so we can find stuff that's, that we like and yeah. we literally sit there and we read the captions, we read the the material mm -hmm. that they got stretching it because if they don't have no stretch we're not trying to buy it. <laughs> we need something with stretch because these hippie ladies here and we got some round areas that we want to cover so it was that was pretty much how that came along mm -hmm. like and Tia's very business minded. She has multiple businesses. Tiana is a nurse, but she's very um, hands on mm -hmm. and wants to, you know, she's whatever we tell her to do. Not like that, but like yeah. whatever, you know, whatever it is that she can do to help the business, she gonna do it. Like that's my partner. When she well, she's on the nursing assignment now, but when she was here, like. All right, we're going to meet at the storage unit at this time. We're going to pack this car up. I mean, she come through and pack it up. You think she done packed up a house in five minutes. <laughs> so she come, we pack it up. We go to the, the uh, pop-up shops. And mm -hmm. we just, you know, vibe. Got all that different energy. And yeah. we all bounce off each other. Yeah. So um, that's pretty much how I came out. What can we do? Because we all make money. And we're all professionals in different type of ways. Mm -hmm. But how can we bring some more money to it? Yeah. So yeah. that we can keep growing. Right. So that's, you know... Now, is your, is your goal to keep it there? Or would you ever invest in like a brick and mortar? Or you just, you right now you like the popcorn? We broke. We need some more people. <laughs> Buy some clothes and call the treasures. We is broke, so. <laughs> 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 I'm 
we thought about it. We thought honestly thinking about like a, a loft space, but uh -huh. we don't need a big space. Yeah. If you get the right loft space mm -hmm. and then have you still have your website and all mm -hmm. those things, we thought about doing those things, but right now we broke. <laughs> That's all I got. Like you know, so we just still trying to make sure that we're ordering things mm -hmm. that people really want to buy yeah. and like, and we is a lot of trial and error. Right yes. now we got a really good sale. Right now, mm -hmm. nothing over twenty dollars, including bubble jackets. I'm, Stuff that you gonna need in the fall, yeah. like so. Go ahead and buy that stuff right now. But it's just like we gotta get rid of this stuff mm -hmm. to be able to bring in new stuff. Yeah, and I think a lot of people say Cleveland is a word of mouth place. Mm. So if people that are the it people aren't wearing your things or posting your stuff mm -hmm. or reposting your stuff you don't really get as much exposure. I believe that to a certain extent, but it's also how much work you put into it. I believe that too. And because we are always busy, like I said, she's in, she's yeah. on an assignment, mm -hmm. and then my friend Tia, she has multiple small businesses mm -hmm. that her, her husband manages. they have properties and all of that good mm -hmm. stuff. So, you know, she's busy on a different type of scale. Yeah. She may not be in an office building or, you know, get up and go to a, a workplace mm -hmm. every day, but she's busy all the time yeah so our our strive or like our grind is a little different mm -hmm. so we just gotta get it out there a little bit yeah. more but i think it will be successful as long as we stay pushing forward yeah to be and, successful. and i think that goes along with um uh, perseverance is a part of being an entrepreneur like when it is in a lull when it is in a ain't nobody ordering ain't nobody oh my goodness you know it's like wow you know you you like do you do you pivot? What do you do? And in those moments, sometimes you do have to wait it out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do have to say, okay, we need to do this or that, or what's the short term goal, long term goal, mm -hmm. and those types of things separate uh, people who just go into it thinking, oh, I'm about to be a millionaire, and it's like, oh no, maybe one day, <laughs> maybe you know, if that's the goal, like, but the work you put into it, like you mm -hmm. said, that is a huge part in being successful mm -hmm. but that also when you have your main gig same thing like what you put into it is what you're gonna get, is what you gonna get out of it you know what i'm saying your attitude about it and and being in it like what why are you in it why mm -hmm. do you do it if the only reason like the main of course nobody's anybody working for free let's be clear. the main reason was money mm -hmm. for education lords we gotta reevaluate our situation. Yeah, because that don't, <laughs> that don't play out for nobody in education. Mm -mm. Because even and and this is what I find: people who are in, because we're in charter district, we're in charter network. Folks who are, we may look at a public and be like, man, they they making they making money over there. You get on that side, they still saying they don't make enough money. Well, what, which is it? <laughs> because we're over here like, we, we, we need, we need to make more. And then, But you have people who are over there, and it's like, but no, we need to make more. And so it's like, that is so uh, subjective, that, that idea is so subjective because they would never come on this side and be like, you do what for how much? I would never do that. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's like, I would love to make the leap, depending, because there's some... You know, there's pros and cons mm -hmm. to both, to everything. And so it's like, but it's, it's still so subjective because you would think the grass is greener, but then folks who are on the green that we, that I, let me see, talk personally, that I would think is green grass. And they like, 
No. So let me just say, I've been in that green grass. Mm. I did it for a year. I was in a self-contained ED classroom okay. in a public school. It was one of the worst experiences that I ever had in my life. Wow. You said a year. You said one year. I did a year. Like, I never was the person that would call off or just not go to work mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, I listen, I need, I need y'all to come here and get these kids. I'm going home. Mm. I was in there with about six boys. It was only three girls in there. Everybody had issues. Every I done got called all type of names. Mm-hmm. The one little boy, he claimed he didn't do it on purpose, but we were coming out the door together and he smashed the door on my arm, oh my like God. on my wrist. He wound up getting expelled and all of that stuff. You still have to go through a manifestation hearing through mm-hmm. all that because they were spared. They were all spared. They were, like I said, in the ED unit. They were 100% capable of completing grade level work. I had sixth through eighth grade, mm-hmm. all in one classroom. I was responsible for teaching general education standards and following along with their IEPs and their goals and doing behavior goals and writing IEPs. And I had an aide that was, hmm, I had an aide. Okay, got it. <laughs> so, um, it was, it was, I think, very difficult. But it also goes back to my first experience in education, my first job out of school, which was at, I guess it's charter, but it was therapeutic. Okay. And I worked there for three months. Because I would go in there and I was like, she makes me want to punch her in the throat. Mm. Like, that's, you're too disrespectful for me. That's not a good feeling at all. And then you calling me, what? And I had to remember, like, you're fresh out of college. This is your first year yeah. out of college. Yeah. This is, you know, this is, you're working here to get some experience mm-hmm. and all of those things. And I was like, well... I don't know. And then I know I wasn't going to actually put my hands on this person, but the people that I work with, they didn't believe that. Um, So I was let go, but it was probably the best thing that could have happened. And it was crazy because years later, the one girl that got on my nerves, I seen her at Strongsville Mall. She recognized who I was. I didn't know that girl from a can of paint until she started talking. And she was like, yes, Ms. Wissett, um, I'm graduating. I got a son, but I'm doing real good. I'm working. I'm taking care of my business. I'm going to graduate from school on time. Like, And that made me feel good because, like I said, at that point in time, she was in the maybe the eighth or ninth grade. Mm-hmm. Maybe ninth grade because it was a 9 through 12 classroom. Okay. And another situation, about 12 kids, and they were all ED, like, extreme ED. The one black girl didn't like black women okay. because her, her twin was separated. She hated her mother. She was being raised by an Asian lady. She, My presence alone being a black woman as a teacher was enough for her to be like, I hate her. Mm. And, and that's, so I'm sure it was said, but it was also in the relationship. There was, so we're big on relationship building. We say mm-hmm. that a lot. And so to try to leap that hurdle when my very presence is an annoyance to you you know like that part but to focus on you know her seeing you years later 
and I and that right there is the essence of why we do what we do because we are a part of, like we have we have more kids come across our path than the flip side of kids who have teachers across their path if that makes mm-hmm. sense so it's like you want to remember everybody and you know you're not because as we get older the brain just don't brain like after a while mm-hmm. there's just so much in there and they all look alike they start and blending together, together like the, oh well when did I the years blend year. together right <laughs> but when you're recognized or mm-hmm. when they come I went back to my old campus um, this past school year and I was there for four for four years mm-hmm. yeah cause I've been at uh, this campus it'll be just three years this year that is so crazy I know I've been gone I know right I know is what I said out loud but when I went back to my old campus under the network I'm at now, and I went in the classroom, and I was there doing a walkthrough for something completely unrelated to anything, and one of my students saw me, and he literally jumped out of his seat to come run to me. Now, he checked with the teacher first, and she said, absolutely, and he ran and gave me the biggest hug, and I hadn't seen him, and I, and I taught him in person uh, and then that was a COVID year. We went home, and then the next year, uh, we fought for him so bad not to retain him. And they, when I tell you, I never fought for a child so hard to mm-hmm. not retain. I was like, he worked so hard and he doesn't deserve. And they nope. And his mom won it until they did. But when I I taught him online the next year, but so two three years later, he saw me, and just that impact. And I was like, this, this is why. This is why, and I, and even though education is broken, and we know it's broken, the the brakes be beat off it often. <laughs> we know that we stay because we know we impact. Number two things happen: we impact kids, and they also impact us. Mm-hmm. And education does one or two things: it shows you what you're made of, good or bad, but it also teaches you if it's for you. And if it's not for you, that's not bad. It's bad when you know it's not for you when you stay. You stay. Mm-hmm. That's when you like. That's you're doing a disservice to the kids. You're doing a disservice to the the building and the the culture of your building. Yes, a hundred percent disservice to the culture of the building because you're not showing strength. If <laughs> I don't know, because I look at some of these newer teachers and and I get it. Like this, your first year, but you gotta like. Get some backbone. You gotta, you gotta remember that these are children. You were once a child, so you have to kind of like, not say treat them like your parents did, but you also have to put your foot down. You can't show a sign of weakness the first three weeks of school. They can smell it. They know you soft batch when you get the call and the administrative every seven minutes. Listen. Seven minutes, that's a long time. I was playing. <laughs> that is. Look, I was giving, giving them a okay. little, you okay, know. Okay, I got you, I got I just, you. In my mind, the seven, number seven is the yeah. number of completion. So if you, you complete that first seven minutes, you win it. Go ahead and, yeah. and push through for the next seven minutes. Yeah. And then, and just, like, I try to tell my teacher, like, you have to kind of give yourself some grace. Mm-hmm. And if you need a moment to step out, call, but go back in there with a whole nother attitude and a whole nother vengeance because yeah. I've been that person. Yeah. I was like, listen, I got to go. Y'all, somebody can come in here. Y'all can teach these kids because somebody going to, either the parents going to teach them or you're going to get pookie. That's my mama. 
You won't get Pookie. And today, Pookie is telling me, go sit down somewhere because I'm not doing it. Like, So you got to kind of like feed into the people that you work with. But it's so hard when they not really there. Like, I'm there because I know I needed a job. And I was moving, or like I was mo- I moved from California. Now I'm here, mm-hmm. or I moved from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I understand companies want to give people jobs mm-hmm. and chances and opportunities. You have to. I feel like companies don't look into their building. You don't look into your kids and say. You this person got this qualification, this qualification they have bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, they taught in public, they taught in charter, they've done this and done that and but can they really handle these things? Why have they taught in all of these different environments? Why have they changed all of these different jobs? Like mm-hmm. what what is it? Yeah. That that and a couple of things and then we're, we're gonna swiftly move into <laughs> um while we're together but the um i think the pandemic did one thing um to an already broken system is that it opened it up for people to try teaching i'm a try teacher what these are not shoes you can just try them on it's like oh they don't fit no more or eh, i thought they felt good but they make my my bunion hurt so i'm gonna get out <laughs> that's not what it's, that's what it is But the disservice, you know, it it it, it uh, created a bigger likelihood of the disservice happening. And so, with that being said, <laughs> I want to like talk about. I want to go back to because this is my point of reference when I became an educator. How was I educated? That was my. I didn't go to school for education. Education is my second career. Really? Yeah, I have an accounting degree. So I even do my taxes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Everything was destroyed. It was 
I know I can't, I can't have that because if you call Mary it's gonna be a problem for me immediately yes immediately and you know what I didn't have the, like going I didn't have that that fear of my mom in in the sense of oh don't call my mother but I also knew that like I was in love with school I loved it I want to go to school every day I'm not missing a beat so it was nothing that could happen mm. in a school day that would make me be like, I ain't going to school and I'm going to get this. Like, I've always loved school. So was it you loved being educated? Was it the social thing? Like, what was it about school that you I loved? I think it was everything. Honestly, it, for me, it was everything. Like, I had the bomb friends. You couldn't tell me me and my friends <laughs> weren't the bomb. I had the bomb friends. I loved all of my teachers. I Like, I remember my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Correo. Correo we were in at Par Revere. Mm-hmm. My mother was sick. She had to have surgery. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they're going to send you to school not knowing that it's an emotional time for you, too. Yes. I, I remember this that. man, to right. make us be quiet, he used to take a yardstick. I don't know how many yardsticks he went through. He used to take that yardstick and crack it across the desk. And everybody stopped what they were doing, and they was quiet. However, that time when my mom was sick, he knew I was, like, not myself mm-hmm. and was emotional. I remember he had the coat rooms where you go in on both sides. Mm-hmm. So he took me in the coat room and we stand there and we I'm bawling, crying my little heart away. He's like, Tamika, this is gonna be okay. Don't worry about it. I'm sure your mom is gonna be fine. Like I remember that so vividly. Yeah. And there's not one teacher that I had that I can't say that I can say that didn't impact me positively. Mm-hmm. Even though I have in high school, Mr. Bynum, John Bynum. Chemistry class in high school. I used to go in his classroom and I would sit at my desk and he'd be like, Wig set? What, Mr. Vinyl? What what I do today? He would be like, You ain't got no coops. I don't know who gonna marry you. I'm like, high school teacher. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Leave me alone. So it got to the point where I would go in the classroom, I would get my work, and I would sit on the floor in the back of the classroom. Just so he wouldn't talk to me, but I promise you, like I learned a lot in that classroom. Mm-hmm. He was, he reminds you of um, Bill Cosby. Okay. Brown pants, plaid shirt, <laughs> suspenders, big pop bottle glasses, and the low haircut and the little beard or whatever. Yeah. Like I, I don't know, but Mr. Viner was my kryptonite, but that that's who I always dealt with. Like mm-hmm. so, you know, you gonna have those teachers, but not one of my teachers made me ever feel like. I wasn't learning, mm-hmm. that I wasn't going to be successful, mm-hmm. or success wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's something that I kind of instill in my kids. Success is always an option, but it depends on you. It p- depends on what you put into it, yeah. how much how much you want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And like literally, I, I think this that's been my whole conversation this school year. What do you want to get out of this year? Do you want to be successful? Do you want to see growth? Do you mm-hmm. like, and we can talk PI scores and uh, NWEA scores and all of those things to these kids and they looking at us like that's form because they don't understand it. They don't know what it means. They don't know how is it benefiting me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like I need to talk to you in a way that you know is going to be beneficial. Yeah. Short term and long term. Yeah. Okay, if you do this well today, you'll be able to do this tomorrow. Yeah. If you do this well all week, you'll be able to do this on Friday. Mm-hmm. If you get to this point by the end of the school year, man, you're going to have a lot more intelligence and you're going to get to the wall of these events I got planned for you. Exactly. 
Yeah. But when you have leaders that only want to talk numbers and PI scores to parents that don't understand it. Yeah. And then you want a kid don't care nothing about a PI score. Not really. So it's just like right. And so I was telling I can't remember who I was telling, but um I remember we said there goes that angel. No, we took that's fine. <laughs> I told you. Start one place, go it's fine. Mm-hmm. I have no problem. Um I remember taking the California achievement test. Mm. This was elementary. No. Yeah, up through high school. But it didn't mean anything. It didn't stop me from passing. It didn't do anything. The the results would come in the mail to my house over the summer. You would read it and it would tell you what that it would just, you know, intermediate, advanced, that was it. And so I like and when I came I took it in school, but I got the results over the summer and when I came back to school, nobody ever talked about it, asked me, What'd you get on your California cheap? Right. What'd you get on your cat? Right. I don't know. Nothing. Or and then how many of us actually know like how many of us our parents actually said, Here, this is what this is and this is what this means. Mm-hmm. And this is what you yeah. what you gonna do with this. None Nothing. of them. No. None of them. Even when uh, I remember um, this is before the OGT existed, which I don't even think is in existence anymore. It's a well, they take the they earn the points. Mm-hmm. That's what happened when Christian graduated. Oh, and but, I don't even know. I'm but, so far removed from that. Yeah, place. I don't know what's gonna happen when your son gets high I don't even know what it's gonna mean. But they gave us the practice graduation test in 1992 when I graduated high school. I remember this clearest day. They were like, "This doesn't mean anything." They just piled in or testing out this thing. Just take this test. One of the questions, I'm t- I'm, I, this was when I was 18. I'm no longer 18, but I remember this question. <laughs> the question was, which one of these shapes represents the United States? So I look up from the question, and I'm looking around like, now pumps didn't exist back then, but I'm like, are they for real? It was four, sh- and I'm like, if you don't know the shape of the United States, they not they are playing right mm-hmm. so I took it and I never got results because it was just a whole but right. then mm-hmm. once I by the time I got out of college maybe I think that's when they had kicked in the OGT and I was in 96 96 97 and that's when I graduated from college and I was in I was going I was in the ninth grade in 96 so I went to the ninth grade and so now there's this you know forget all the efforts you put in your classes this test at the end can determine if you get a diploma or a certificate of attendance. Mm-hmm. And as a 22-year-old, I'm like, that's bull. You know? And so, thinking about those things, and again, I'm sure, and I don't know, but in the 80s, when I went to school, were there people that said education is broken? Maybe. Because, you know, still, redlining existed and funding and all that was still a thing back then. Mm-hmm. But for me... I remember when we got our first computer. I was in sixth grade, and they brought this computer in the classroom, and we all like, ooh, what's that? And I remember in middle school at Margaret Stellacy when we had a whole computer room, and like, so just those types of things where we were exposed to computer programming and stuff that seemed so foreign to all these little black kids, and it was like, but it was good. Mm-hmm. And I did love school. I did love learning, and my teachers made it fun, and I just remember all the great things about school. And now on the flip side, being in education, 
now my mind is like, I know the parameters we have. I know what we're supposed to do. I know what the goals are. We'd have, you have to. But it's like, man, if only, to your words at the beginning. So now, if only, and, and there's a long list, but top three. We gonna, we gonna say more than three, I know. <laughs> but we gonna start with top three things you would change about education. Ooh, I should have been thinking about this last night. I should have sent it as pre-work. I apologize. <laughs> top three, what would I change? One thing for sure is the expectation that everybody should score a certain score. Like, they they should be at this certain point, And that determines if they're going to be successful or should go to the next grade. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really believe that just because I'm not really, really good at math doesn't mean that I can't learn other, in the words of spare, accommodations. Mm-hmm to make me successful in these areas or there's not going to be other things that come along in my path or a career path mm-hmm. that will help me understand my bills and money mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, <clears throat> let's be honest, a lot of that stuff you learn in school, you don't even get to use it. Give me something that's going to be <clears throat> worth something, valuable, excuse me, in the long run. Like, Teach me financial literacy mm, at, at seven. <laughs> and yes. about money, not just what, not just tens, twenties, thirties, forties. How can money, or how is money the base of how you're going to be successful? Don't nobody care about how much education you have once you're successful at all. I can be a person on the street that don't have no education. I didn't go no further than the sixth grade, but I could be a millionaire. And there's so much more in in golf and the fact that I'm a millionaire. How did I make that money? Then did you have a degree? Do you have a degree? Yeah. It's jobs out here today. My brother works at a factory. He makes more money. He technically makes more money than I do. And he don't have $100,000 in student loans. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's my one thing. I need I feel like edu- education should teach kids that there's multiple paths mm-hmm. to success. That's one. That's that and that's okay, okay. Yes. So well, that's one. Okay. Multiple paths to success. I don't believe that school days have to be um long as ever mm-hmm. for you to get all of the things that these kids need to learn. Mm-hmm in their head. But if you're gonna have a long school day, there should be a a break between education and books and things like that to real life experiences. Go back to that home ec, go back to that um tech classes where they're wood crafting and stuff like that. Wish I wood shop all that stuff. <laughs> art art, you know, real art classes, things like that. Like we had in middle school i was in every band every uh choir every everything but whereas these schools now that's the first thing to go like those are the things that build um well-rounded kids well-rounded adults Mm -hmm. because they've had experiences i can ask any of my kids when have have you ever been to an opera 
You may not like it, but have you ever been? Man. We used to go to the Nutcracker every year when I was in school. I did the Flatter Mouse. As a field trip. I did the Flatter Mouse in middle and elementary. Mm -hmm. We did the opera in our building. We learned mm -hmm. the songs from that um, opera, from that whatever it was called. And then we went to go see it at the Cleveland Playhouse. Mm -hmm. Like, those are things that I remember. Going to the playhouse, getting dressed up with my frilly socks, mm -hmm. folded socks down, and then we got to wear pretty dresses and all of that stuff. Like these kids don't know that you gotta, you should dress up mm -hmm. for certain things. And it's not just about a job interview when you should dress up. You should dress up because you want to look a certain kind of way. Um, my kids at my school was like, well, why why do we have dress code? Why we have, why y'all so hard on us about dress code because one day when you leave these buildings or this classroom or whatnot and you go to a job you're gonna have a dress code it may not be a uniform per se but you might have a dress code where you have to wear slacks and shirt and a tie or a dress or even as a teacher we have to wear age appropriate and we can't be too revealing and things like that so this is why you have dress code you know and there's rules so once you don't fit up, fit everybody. Give these kids some life skills and something that's going to make them want to come back. Feed into their talents. Mm. Feed into their talents. We got some talented kids. We do. We do. And then my third one, let's see. Ooh, special education, I guess, is like my biggest one. Mm -hmm. Even though it's the third thing on my on my radar, but that's like the Inclusion ain't for everybody. Mm -hmm. And the push for inclusion, I'm, I'm still on the fence with it because some kids need way more. And if you put them in a life skills position within a middle school or a high school and give them those skills that they need, because they don't need like survival things. Mm -hmm. And them sitting in a classroom with 30, 40 other kids and they already don't understand what's going on, this is a waste of their life mm. and time. Yeah. Time time that they can't get back. Yeah. And then with the shortage of intervention specialists, intervention specialists can make up to $45 an hour teaching remote. Wow. Teaching remote. I know this for a fact, <laughs> I, I interviewed with a company that was that said, you will be remote. We had a remote intervention specialist last year. She lived in Florida. And they put her on a computer in front of her. And I was like, this is a thing? This is how, this, what? Yeah. Definitely a thing. Yeah. You could have an Ohio license be sitting on the beach. In a, in a, on the Zoom room. On the Zoom. All you got to do is have a background and have some bells and whistles or be able to do some things with the Zoom chats and the, the breakout rooms and you're fine. According to the parameters they've set. So those are my three. Like redo sped, go back to the drawing board, figure it out, yeah. redo how schools are structured for what these kids need. Yes. Because guess what, mommy not at home to be able to teach you how to cook 
appropriately and, mm-hmm. and fire safety and mm-hmm. things like that. So why not teach these kids? Mm-hmm. And you got some kids that can cook. Yeah. Oh, you can cook lunch for the kids in your building and make you some money. We had that. And when you said go back to like home ec, I remember making shorts um, in my home ec class. I remember cooking. And I, when I was a senior and I was, cookies, and I was out of home ec, they, I was in Hollywood, and they would make Polish boys for lunch. And you would go around that corner, and they would—they had the half door, and they opened up that half door, and you would go get your Polish boy for lunch because the mm-hmm. homemade kids was making lunch for mm-hmm. for everybody. Um, and wood shop, like learning how to use those tools and learning, so it's it's not. Just, and then like they peel it out, and now you got to go to a vocational school to do these certain things and. And you got to um, pay for it. Yeah, you can get it for free. free. Should. And by the time you're 18, you got to train. Mm-hmm. I, for me, when I learned why school was created, <clears throat> when I went back to school and I took my education 101 or whatever, and they talked about education was created for socialization and morality, like like to a construct of uh, it was a social construct. It wasn't mm-hmm. for education because they was farmers. You was about to take over this farm when your mm-hmm. family when you got grown. And that's why we got our breaks in different times and points of the year because they needed the kids to go outside and you need to go pick this cotton and you need to go do this and you need to help on the farm and you got to go milk the cows and all of that stuff. So therefore, this is why we had these different breaks. But they didn't put thought into it and how how it would flourish. And so now we're and I. I I remember I read this article called, uh, it was Digital Natives versus Digital Immigrants. And so the digital natives are our children who they don't know life without technology at all. They don't have a reference point. That is their reference point. Where me, I remember life before a cell phone. I remember life before, like there was a point where it just didn't exist. So I'm a digital immigrant. And so we have these antiquated notions where we want kids to come in this room and sit in these rows and take this pencil and write on this paper and do these things for an hour block of time. Who you got hours? You got 90 minutes. We got 62 minute blocks right now. But I'll take that. When you got a curriculum uh, <laughs> that's set up for 80, 90 minutes, you got to pare it down. But mm-hmm. that's a whole other ball of wagon. Right. <laughs> um, but, um, and then, uh, oh, Lord have mercy. 90 minutes. My brain is fried always at this time of night. Um, yeah, I believe it. You be in school building all day, and our school day is an hour less than last year. And so we still trying to do all the things in less time. And so you like, we hit the ground running, and by two o'clock when it's time to go, I'm like, "What did I do today?" Like it just feels like it, in a blink of an eye, the day is gone. Um, oh, but we're having our kids. I think we're pulling them backwards mm-hmm. when we pull them. And so for me, I agree with you 100. Like, what's relevant? Because if if you know, why why do I need to learn this? That's what kids. And what does our teacher answer? This teaches you how to think. There's so many ways to teach our kids how to think. For me, the issue is the time and money it would take to break it. It's already broken at its core, Mm -hmm. but to deconstruct what we have to rebuild it, 
the and, and, and here's my super frustration and I just for all intents and purposes I don't like the phrase urban education I know what it is I work in it <laughs> um but I think it comes with a certain connotation and a stigma mm-hmm. that I don't like mm-hmm. um and so but things that we're talking about if if only and if we dream about what education is it exists in other places there's schools that have project-based learning. There are kids that have robotics. There's schools that have that teach financial literacy. Mm-hmm. My daughter is going to BG right now for forensic investigation because she had a forensics class in high school. Something so quote unquote random, but she chose it and it sparked something in her to choose it to go to school. It made her want to do it. It made her want to do it. Mm-hmm. Now Granted, don't, you know, our district is not, you know, not top tier, Mm -hmm. but there are districts that have reimagined education and it's not, it, it, there's, there's freedom in it. And I think in the urban, (laughs) in the urban area, (laughs) urban education, we have these constraints on us. And and even if we break it down and come in closer into our classrooms, it's like, but if but if I if I let them just do it, what if they don't do it right? You're an educator. We teach our kids how to do you it. You got to get let them fail so that you can Please. redirect them Please. into success. Yeah. Like you have to give them the opportunity mm-hmm. to mess up. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, you know what? I ain't even gonna say nothing. Go ahead. Show me what. And then at that point, talk me through what you were thinking. Yes. Because that's the way to teach somebody to think. Let them talk you through what they were yeah. thinking. Yep. And then you'll be able to get a better understanding yeah. of where they were going and then where the disconnect was. Yeah. I think for me, it's definitely around um, curriculum for me. I think curriculum. We're gonna write our own. You heard it first. Because I honestly, and I can get get on a soapbox and argue somebody down about teaching kids rote memorization for math facts. Because there are proponents that say they don't don't do that. That's not teaching them how to think in this. That's memorization. Memorization. But I tell you what, when I I taught middle school math for seven years, and every baby, not every baby, but when a baby came to me and did not know their math facts, and I go back to elementary, and I'm like, why not? And I'm like, why are you teaching them this way? I understand the why behind five times five is 25. I understand they need to know that, but they don't need to know that at five or six. They need to know that five times five is 25. So when they get to me and I put a variable in front of them, it doesn't blow their mind because they don't know what five times five is. And now I'm going to say five, five times eight equals 25. What's eight? Excuse me? Why are there letters in my math? Mm -hmm. And so I think the, the way curriculum has been rethought, but not in a great way. In, in, for, in my in my mind and my perspective, I think that there's so multiple paths of success that you said. I think there's different ways to think, to teach this kind of thing. Just what mm-hmm. you said, having them sit. You know, I had a teacher last year that they used to do these classroom reads, um, and she would let them sit wherever they wanted to. They could sit on the desk, on the floor. They could stand by the window. They could live. You don't have. She prefer you not sit at the desk. 
but you can do something different while we read. Mm-hmm. And they loved it because they felt like they were doing something wrong. And I'm like, no. Why can't it be? And and all noise, noise ain't bad noise. Mm-mm. And silent don't mean they learn it. And just because, you know what I'm saying? So I think sometimes silence is overrated. <laughs> It can't be like forty five of them little monsters in the classroom. They all talking, and you only got one teacher girl. So for me, and that I think that's another thing. The class sizes y'all promote. Y'all say, "Oh, we got small class sizes," but you only got one teacher with forty kids in the room, or you only got one teacher and it's thirty third graders. Yeah, I can't do it. It's 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 I I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and it's. It's so it's so much. So if and so if we reimagined education, to your point, special education would be different. I think at the core of all of it we would just we break it down and start from scratch. We would have different curriculum. We would mm-hmm. I think lunch needs to be different. I think um dismissal like all the things not it may not dismiss I'm being extreme but <laughs> I'm, I'm being nitpicky. But no I'm being nitpicky. I'm, no like my son's school for instance they are that school that's educationally imagined. They 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 have IB what is it? IB something personalities, IB principles. They think about who's a who's a thinker, who's a communicator, who's a mm. risk taker, who's um, it's about seven different things, and mm-hmm. I can't think of all of them. He will be able to tell you every last one. And how does it? They ask them frequently: Are you showing that you're a risk taker? Are you showing that you are communicating well? Did you tell somebody how you felt? Did you like? Mm-hmm. They touch on the social emotional. They have um, a really good music program where you don't have to pay for the instruments. Mm-hmm. You know, like. And everybody asked me, well, would you put your son in the school you work at? No. Because he's getting so many things that I can't even give him as a parent. Mm. Because I'm at work with other people's kids. So, therefore, I need him to be in a place where I feel like my son is being enriched. They have a, a cafe in their building. I don't know what it's called. Where students cook. And they get to get the food and stuff that the oh, kids wow. make. Like, it's a little... A little nook mm-hmm. with a little small kitchen, and they—I want to say maybe their middle schoolers might, okay. you know, okay. cook and stuff. But it's fostering that creativity. It's yes. recognizing who they are, and I—and that's why I like um, our social emotional learning program that we have at um, at my school because it allows when it's done right and done with fidelity, it allows our kids to be seen outside of academics because mm-hmm. they got nothing to do with academics, nothing. And so when I when I did it and I, I was a homeroom teacher and I had it, the bond that I created with my homeroom, like it was just it was a community. And it's like, hey, we rock together. I said, when you leave me, you got my name on you. Like mm-hmm. my school name on this door and my name. So we are we are a, a family. A family. Like, we are a family. Yes. And I want that to be the narrative inside of school. Yes. Like the way you would act in front of your mother, your birth mother, the mother who raised you, is how I expect you to work act in this building around everybody else. So why should you come here and act in a way that you wouldn't do this in front of your parents? Now, granted, there are kids that don't care nothing about 
how they act in front of other people or their parents, but they'll come in the building and respect the mess out of you because you're giving them that structure. You're giving them an opportunity to be themselves, but yeah. you're going to be respectful. This yeah. is a respectful space, and we're going to treat everybody the same. Yeah. So it's just like... We need that in one one big old bubble of yeah. education. Like yeah. I don't think the lawmakers or the rule takers or the people up on the top level making the decisions don't they don't get to see that. And for me, coming out of the classroom in the capacity that I was telling you about, mm -hmm. that scares me that I'm gonna lose that portion of me because I still want to walk in the building and my yes. kids be like, hey, Miss Wissette, I miss you, where yes. you been? Or, oh, Miss Wissette, your hair, last week my hair was pink. I I mean, it's still kind of pink, but mm -hmm. I came in with a whole pink swoop. Miss <laughs> Wissette, you, oh, you ate that up. So, and, and I'm listening to how they talk and we engage in conversation mm -hmm. and I may correct them or I'll even, now I ain't gonna say I'll correct them, I'll indulge in their conversation, but when it comes to certain grammatical things, I'll check them. Like, no, we ain't gonna say that. We're gonna say it this way. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's still fostering their ability to be themselves and then be able to, you know, connect. Yes. So I. Because they're still, they're still people. Mm -hmm. They're not numbers because people outside of our school buildings see numbers, they see data all the PI time. Scores? Yeah. We we I never see. knew what a PI score was until last until last school year. Yeah, I never heard that term. So your PI score is I probably should know it. No, because not so this is what I'm learning. Not all schools use the same verbiage. Okay. okay. So we probably so, have but it's just like all PI. Your PI score is like the score basically from all of the data from your teach from your kids taking tests and it, it push in the face of how you rate against other schools. So like, okay. uh, you might be at a 61% in growth or whatnot for the school year, mm -hmm. but that's your PI score, that's okay. your growth score, or how you, your, your report card score. Okay, okay, so, I, 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 that resonates with me. Yeah, I'm like, I, I never heard of that. All these buckets, and all the buckets lead to funding to some degree or level, you know? And I get it. It's, they run on money. They don't run on love. They have to run on funds. I told you. race. Get out here and get a go yeah. for me. I mean, <laughs> I just think that I, we, I, I just, I think being in it, you just, and that's why, that's why you stay. Because you're like, man, if I, right, if I'm, if I'm removed from this space, you know what I'm saying, what's going to happen? when I'm gone. Mm -hmm. And I felt that way when I left, uh, and it's always about the children uh, and the team, because when I was, when I was, we was all together, it was, that, that yeah. tore a part of my, to, to have to go um, to another setting. I was like, this, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but it's like, that level of change. That level of change. It, it is something, but it is, I, I don't know. I, just want kids to feel seen, to feel heard, and and to know that I want you to believe that you can do it, because I can believe it all day, and I can tell you, and mm -hmm. I can, but I need you to walk in that and know that you know that you know that even though it's hard, I can do hard things, and those are the softer skills. 
but we unfortunately measure our kids by the concrete things what's your grades like what's your score did you score this on i ready you know are you basic are you uh advanced at all mm-hmm. you know all the proficient and you know all, what's your mastery all of those things yes that's important but if you're not a great test taker that exactly it's like so those things we have to have multiple ways of assessing multiple ways like all of that and I just told somebody today I said we talk about economy of language when we give directions and stuff like that in our school building we talk to our teachers about don't don't have too much teacher talk put the lift and the thinking on the kids and, and that's yes because it should be student led you should be getting where they're dialoguing and they're mm-hmm. building off each other's ideas and creating academic discourse classrooms like that are amazing to me and then unfortunately we send them to high schools where teachers drone on for an hour and they just talk and you just sit there and take notes and they go to college and they sit there and they listen to somebody talking for an hour and they take notes Mm -hmm. and i'm like so we do all these and we coach and do all these things for our middle school years and then send them off to secondary and post-secondary education and they like y'all done told us a lie because now i got a notebook full of stuff i'm trying to write and take notes and so it's a disconnect there and i'm not saying let our, our our elementary and middle school teachers talk for an hour heck no they're gonna be bored they, they yes the teachers are going to be bored out of their mind and the behaviors are going to be through the roof through the roof and so so and maybe and this just came to me so maybe developmentally like as an adult we go to lectures we go to conferences we go to pds and we sit there and, and doodle and do- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that ain't where i'm going well that's where i'm going i'm telling yeah. you i doodle yes. i'll take a little note here and there You're and right. i You're pop right. in with oh i got a question but some i heard something yeah. that resonated but <laughs> We're not gonna tell these people we don't sit there and doodle. But <laughs> right. But um when I see like I saw a scholar in class and he had his notebook to the left and um had his um packet to the right and they were um working on something or whatever and the scholar was drawing and I didn't stop him. Because some again, we are adults and we sit in meetings. When you said that, it took me back to seeing him, and I didn't say put that away because that that's like to me that's the same thing as um, if you listen to music while you study. I personally can't do that. The, the, my mind don't split that way, but other people can. They can sit and listen to music and do the other thing, and it helps them focus. Mm-hmm. And so to recognize who a kid is, you know, he was doing when it was time to work. He was doing both things. He was doing both. Mm-hmm. The packet wasn't on the floor. His computer wasn't closed. He was actively engaged. And he didn't disrupt the environment. And he didn't. And so when it was time to participate and turn and talk to a neighbor, he did the things. So it's like, be, and we talk about being culturally responsive. And when I first heard that and I had to read about it, you, people hear culture like, oh, culturally responsive. We need to bring in some food. And No. What's the culture of your classroom? What's going on in your classroom and be responsive to that? That is being culturally responsive. And that can that can happen in curriculum, that happens in social and emotional learning, that happens 
at lunch. It happens during arrival. It, ha it happens all mm -hmm. throughout the day. And if you're leading with that lens and, and your staff is trained, like, how do I do that? Like, I want to make sure that this is, this is a team and family. This is what we do together. So when you leave here, the imprint that we've left on you or and that you've left on us is one that's undeniable. Mm -hmm. It is when you see somebody in the mall, you see your teacher, and it, that kid who jumps up, and you know all these things, the notes. I had bum rush me <laughs> two days ago. I went to go drop off some clothes, mm -hmm. and I was in the house talking to uh, my friend's niece, and this little girl come scooting on across past me, and I looked up. And she was like, Miss Whitson. And I'm like, oh my God. Like I had, you know, I haven't seen her since she left, you know, in grade. Mm -hmm. So just those things. Like yes. it's just it's important. It's important, but I, I I don't know, you know, all the dismantling. And this is to me, this is a part one. Because it's like we also have lenses as parents. So we're talking about education right now as educators. Mm -hmm. But a whole the second part of that is as parents how could we what how could school be different and again that's a whole nother part i got somebody to come in yeah. that day let me know but <laughs> I kinda, that way i mean we can step out of our education educational um piece but when you have an actual parent yes that's parenting yes and that's not 100 percent because you know <laughs> when i was going to the parent teacher conferences i would never lead with the educator foot Cause I want to know what you about to tell me. Cause I know double speak. I know when smoke is being blown. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I'm gonna let you talk to me. I'm not, cause if you don't, I'm an educator, your whole, you're going to be different. You're going to tighten up or whatever. You're going to talk different. Mm -hmm. And so one of us Christmas teachers, I don't know what she was saying, but it was like, I said, let me go and let the cat out the bag. So this lady can stop. Cause I'm like, you, I don't know what you saying. But I was like, oh, yeah, because I'm an educator and I teach this stand up or whatever. Once I said that, oh. now you got to watch what you say. Now you, now it was a whole different persona, but it's like, no, no, because you was, you were, I, I can't remember. It was just a feeling that I was having. I'm like, she's not being forthcoming. She just, um, she blowing smoke. She just kind of saying stuff. Trying to find something to say about it. Was, her, it was surface though. level. That's right. Yeah. She was just giving, like throwing out little buzzwords, but she wasn't saying nothing. And I'm like, let's, let's go behind the curtain and talk to me for real. Because you you saying that to other parents, you just, it, it sound good. That's all it was. It was just this little rehearsed speech and this and forth. And I'm like, okay, but now let's talk about this. What Do you guys have this? Because at the other school, she had this down for every six weeks. Like as they had, when they did RTI, it was in six weeks uh, spans. It was amazing. They took their benchmark test. It was a star test mm -hmm. or whatever. And for the next six weeks, she would either go into enrichment or she would go into intervention based on what it was. And it was a six-week thing. It was a class. I said, can we do that? No, I can't do that. I'm like, but it's amazing. Because mm -hmm. now we would take iReady more frequently, and then we could place kids, and they would have a class. Specific. We're, not, we're not trying to fit in RTI That's into amazing. the rest of the world. Always mm -hmm. saying, now, what is RTI? And trying to... It was, it was actually designed as a six-week cycle. It went all year round, but it was a block of time that they took. You were either but being enriched or you were sense. in intervention. Because at that point, I'm not about to have you sitting in the classroom mm -hmm. with a bunch of people that don't know this material. And you over here like, all right, I'm bored. Can I do something else? Right. Can I 
Like, and that was another thing. His school, he has an enrichment class for, um, he's advanced in reading. He goes to an enrichment class for reading and writing. But math, he stays in his genetic classroom and does the work. And there's no stigma. When Kristen had to go to, for the six weeks of intervention, it's to make you better. It's to take you where you are and grow you. So there was they call no... It title one. Title one is but they the title one is for the kids that are not performing well mm. so if you got a title one for kids that are not performing well why wouldn't you have a title one for those who are yeah, because those kids and that's we're all we're always focused on the bubble kids <laughs> or the kids are so many grade levels but, and then our kids our scholars who need to be enriched we, we're trying to figure out what to do with them or they're not seen at all or you got that one teacher that might say, okay, I see you. Yep. You need this. Here, go do this ninth grade work because mm-hmm. you over here surpassing this seventh and eighth grade yeah. work. Or I see you. Yeah, your, your um, verbal skills are much better mm-hmm. than you writing it down. So guess what? I'm going to have you verbally give me the answer. Mm-hmm. Those are those small things that you can take as a teacher. And a lot of teachers don't realize, like, everybody's not going to write well. Everybody's not going to speak well. Mm-hmm. But if you have somebody that can verbalize and have a whole conversation with you about a topic or a subject and they can give you back what you've given them, mm-hmm. that's enough to give them a grade that's worth something Yeah. instead of what you see on a piece of paper. We had a student last year teaching himself uh, Japanese or Korean or something. Crazy. He was <laughs> teaching himself. And so he would like come in and he would, I'm like, what's the, what's the word for today? He would just say it to him. Like, if I knew that about him, it was just a little fun fact that he uh, brought up. And so you just talked to him about it. And like, when you got him engaged in that, we talking about NFTs. And I'm like, he like took one of my erasers and tore it up because he was he needed a break. And I was like, oh, dude, make this, turn this into something else. I'm going to take a picture of it and turn it into an NFT. And we going to sell it out in blockchain. I just started talking about some uh, metaverse stuff or whatever. And he was like, for real, we could do that? But it's like, just little stuff like that to make a connection. And mm-hmm. so, no, no, we can't just sit and pick flowers all day because that's not education. But, you know, if if only we, we were given the space. And But some people, I went to a conference last year in California. There are people who, who are culturally responsive. They see the need of their community and they step outside and they have built their own schools and networks. They've done it. They're like, this is not serving me. So I'm going to fundraise because if I don't take any government money, I don't have to do what you say. Yeah. And it was maybe five people on this panel and they all had stepped out and built. The one lady, her son, was. she said, I needed to get a school that was going to serve my son. She's like, no, so not other people get to benefit from it, but that was my goal. And I don't think any of them, the one school, uh, she was talking about it was a high school and they had to figure out she said the first time we had to figure out oh when our kids apply to college like oh colleges need all this all this stuff that we have to have to give them so they learn that way but they learned it and now they have no problems mm-hmm. but it's like we had to the the public school was not giving us what we needed so it's happening mm-hmm. and it's there and it's like if more people i think if more people do that then the public schools will have because they don't have no kids they wouldn't have any children 
And it's like, okay, number one, funding, of course, because schools don't run off love, run off money. But two, it it takes, and, and I'm saying that because we have this, this spirit, this entrepreneurial spirit in us, like, hey, this is, we had a an idea to do something else. Do we also have an idea in this? We know it's hard work to step out and do something that radical and drastic. The thing about it, charter school, charter schools are ran by entrepreneur and business people. Charter, most charter schools were started by a business person that said, hey, I want to start a school. I want to start a business. I done worked in about two or three different charter schools and their CEOs was doctors, mm-hmm. former lawyers, mm-hmm. um, people that worked in finances. They ain't know a, a can of paint from a can of oil. And they came in and said, hey, we're going to just go ahead and open up these schools and we're going to put these standards in. And issue becomes when they take, take over the money, money. It, yeah. has to, it looks just like it looks like the other. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I get it, but, the, the, and I'm gonna say that, I'm gonna I'm end on this, and, and I, I just wanna mic drop it, cause it's gonna, it's gonna sound, it's gonna sound how it sound. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing, but expecting a different result. So if you gonna go open a school, that's the same thing, but you think you're gonna get a different result, but you doing the same thing, refer to my former statement. Thank you for joining me. This is not gonna be the last time. Cause we gotta have a part. We got a whole bunch of other yeah. stuff to decom- unpack. Yeah. Decompose yeah. it, like I can't it, wait. Yeah, it's, it's unpacking this. This was the tip of the iceberg, but I think I got my pre phone series I need to complete. It's gonna happen. But thank you all for joining. As always, you can check me out on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. I have an Instagram. That's one experience, one epic experience. Facebook page, epic experiences. Um, my personal socials is Sunitra Skillern. I have an email that is, uh, what is my email? I'm using this online. One epic experience <laughs> at gmail.com if you ever want to join and talk about just about anything that's epic. Um, hit me up, email me, I will get back to you, inbox me, all the things, and come join us on this couch. It's lovely over here. It is. Uh, yes. Thank you, Miss Wissette. It has been epic.